It's time for Cooking with the Hazelnuts, show number 21. Hello. What, what, what do you want? What do you want? I want to give this long overdue maple fudge recipe yeah yeah in just a minute you can but first i just want to i want to give this long overdue maple fudge, fudge recipe i know recipe. i know yeah we're talking about tricks and tips everything that you want to know about cooking and talking about leftovers and everything i'm so happy to bring it to you i want to give this long overdue maple fudge okay. recipe and now show 21 cooking with her hazelnuts begins How would you like to submit a recipe to us? Just tell us the recipe you'd like to submit on Twitter at ACB Hazelnuts. That's A-C-B Hazelnuts. H-A-Z-E-L-N-U-T-S. Do you have a suggestion for the show? Have something to offer? Just tweet us. I want to give this long overdue maple fudge recipe. How about saying hello first? Oh, well, I just (laughs) thought I was going to fudge it. Hello. Oh, boy. (laughs) Welcome I mean, to show twenty one. If they if they hear us, they know that you know we're 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 into it. We're saying hello. We're here. Mm-hmm. That's you know, and I know we have a couple of emails, which is great. We haven't done our promo for the end of the year show, but people are already sending their voicemails in with their mistakes. That's wonderful. Those mistakes were really very good, which prompted me yeah. to think of more mistakes that I've done. Uh-huh. And so I, I will it. I will tell all. Well, no, not oh, all. <laughs> not truth all. or dare. Truth or dare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to give your fudge recipe? I will. All I'm right. going to fudge it. All right. Okay. This is maple walnut fudge. Are you with me? I'm all the way with you. Okay. It's not breaking up? Not so far. A little bit, but um, I've got you, I got I'm, you now. We like it when fudge breaks up, but, but Skype it. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> no. fudge break up but here we go you will need a candy thermometer to make this fudge now last time i did it i had help because i had a visual thermometer i have the talking one now and i haven't tried it but i might um make sure you buy pure maple syrup rather than artificially flavored syrup and read and he has candy basics and fudge pointers below before beginning uh and he wants Uh, toasted walnuts in this bake walnuts in a 375 degree oven until barely golden under skins six to eight minutes well i don't know what they look like but i just went ahead and and did them for six to eight minutes um okay it's worthy of a special occasion rated 4.0 Two cups of granulated sugar. Now you broke up just a little bit, Deb. I'm going to add this in. Two cups of brown sugar. One and one half cup of whipping cream. Mm. Three-fourths cup of pure maple syrup. And one-fourth cup of light corn syrup. One-fourth cup. Then it says one-eighth is equal to one-eighth of a pound of butter cut into chunks. Two teaspoons of vanilla, and it has all these other weird notes in this recipe, so I'm, but one cup of chopped toasted walnuts, and let's see, preparation, one, in a five to six quart heavy bottom pan over low heat, stir brown sugar, granulated sugar, cream, maple syrup, and corn syrup, 
continually scraping bottom of pan with a heat-proof spatula until sugar is completely dissolved, about 15 minutes. Increase heat to medium and bring mixture to a simmer. Number two, cook occasionally stirring mixture and brush down pan, brush down pan sides with a wet pastry brush and watching to make sure mixture doesn't bubble. And if it does bubble, reduce heat if it threatens to start bubbling until mixture reaches 240 degrees on a candy thermometer. And it takes 10 to 15 minutes, and it did. Remove from heat and pour into a bowl of a standing mixer or another large bowl. And we poured it into the KitchenAid with the standing mixer. Add butter and vanilla, but do not stir. Insert candy thermometer and let mixture stand undisturbed until cooled to 110 degrees, one to one and a half hours. Okay, three, line a nine-inch square pan with foil, lightly butter the foil, and with a paddle attachment of standing mixer or a sturdy wooden spoon, beat maple mixture vigorously on high, on high speed if using a mixer. Reduce speed if motor starts to labor until mixture thickens and turns from a shiny caramel color to a pale beige about 10 minutes with a mixer at 15 minutes by hand. So you can do it with a mixer or you can do it by hand. And I think if you get into the neighborhood until it thickens uh, and it says... 10 minutes with a mixer or 15 minutes by hand. As long as you do that and you feel that it's really thickened, you're probably okay. Stir in walnuts, scrape into pan, and chill until firm to touch. At least two hours. I found it needed to chill longer or up to one day. Yeah, I needed to do it overnight. Number four, lift foil to remove fudge from pan. Cut fudge into one-inch squares. Store cut fudge in an airtight container in the refrigerator up to one week uh, to keep, keep longer um, up to month. Wrap uncut fudge in airtight and chill. Cut into squares as you want to use it. So I think if you want to keep it longer, the colder you keep it, the better. Serve at room temperature. Uh, candy basics. Before you begin, read the recipe all the way through, which I did, and assemble all the tools and ingredients you will need. Many candy recipes require that you act quickly once the sugar syrup reaches the desired temperature. Use care when working with hot sugar syrup as it can cause severe burns. That is very true. Choose the right pans, heavy-bottomed stainless steel pans, are best for cooking sugar mixtures. Thin, lightweight pans tend to conduct heat and cook sugar syrup unevenly. Use a candy thermometer when called for. They measure temperatures up to 400 degrees. You'll find them in the kitchen gadgets section 
of many supermarkets priced between $10 and $20. Submerge the bottom of the thermometer completely in the sugar syrup to get an accurate reading using a narrow pan with tall sides makes the mixture deeper, but if necessary, you can gently tilt a shallower pan to submerge the thermometer bottom. And that's all that is here. Hmm. That's now, interesting. I, I didn't remember all that. I only see one problem with that whole recipe. Yeah. And that is... That it's not s sniff and taste no, right now? No, there's only one thing wrong, and that's in the... Uh, serving size. They say cut into squares. They should say divide in half for big R. <laughs> <laughs> and Debbie Hazelton. That's right. <laughs> and they should. And they pass should, to they one another. Say, just put your face in the pan, even oh. if it's not completely cooled, and just, you know, go at it. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds so good. It is so good. I made it, and it is really Really, really good. Mm. And I want to do it again using the talking thermometer. Yeah, I wish you would. Guys, you got to really, 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 really be careful when you do this kind of a recipe. I was making caramel corn uh, a couple of years ago on a smooth top surface, and it started to splotch. And it etched itself into the stove top, and I never could get it. Out of there. Oh, it, my God. And believe Ooh. me, that's some hot caramel. Yeah. Those, nothing there I are do. things that can get under those uh, glasses of those smooth cooktop stoves. Wow. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing oh, I can do. You don't want to let that candy stuff get, like, on your wrist or your back of your hand or fingers even. <sighs> it is really painful if you get burned with that. Mm -hmm. So be very, very careful. Yeah, my advice, if you're really daring, is to take it, uh, move it to a different surface other than the stove while pouring so you don't ruin your stove. I really like glass, heavy glass measuring cups, like um, the kind that are real wide and then they have a spout on them. Or if you have it in a pan of some kind with a spout on it, I feel much safer pouring some things using something like that. Mm -hmm. They have these huge glass, like two quart measuring cups that you can put into the microwave. I mean, they're really safe. And they have a one quart. And boy, oh boy, do I like having those on hand for a variety of things. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love glass stuff yep. as well. And they sound cool. You put them down. They do. They do. They make nice sounds. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I have good memories of growing up with my mother having one of those on hand. Um, so, you know, it's funny how how the things we grew up hearing and feeling in the kitchen are just kind of special. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I grew up with my great-grandmother in the house, and she did a lot of cooking and a lot of mixing with a mixer. And she, at the time, was, oh, I'd say in her late 70s. And, Aww. you know, she had this blind kid <laughs> standing <laughs> alongside of her uh, who was about three, four years old, reaching for the motor. <laughs> Aww. 
so I have really fond memories of glass measuring cups and oh, stand and, mixers. And mixers and, and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. I've just been using a stand mixer. But uh, I grew up and forever and a day used those handheld mixers where you put the beaters into it. And I like those. In some ways, I like them even better. Um, because, you know, you turn it on, it has its speeds, but you're holding it and you can really scrape the sides and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. I think a lot better using that, but you do have to do more work and it's heavy sometimes. Yeah. I want to recommend the, uh, the mixer of choice. And, uh, that is a KitchenAid handheld mixer. One of the reasons that I like them so much is because, boy, do they have the speed and they have the power and they will not yeah, burn out. We have that, too, and I like it. Yeah. And the neat thing about it is if you run into a clump of something, it gears itself down to where it can break it up and add a little bit more adds a little bit more power. Oh, it just does it on its own? Yes, it does. Wow. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. They all do that. I've only started using it once I discovered there was one here um, in the last month or so, but I prefer to use a handheld mixer in making mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, yeah. So, um, wow. Wow. Well, I I will be curious to see if anyone makes this recipe. It is so good. If you really like maple, oh, it is so good. Yeah, I have a an all-purpose talking thermometer. And it will go above the candy stage, and it will go down to like 45 below zero. So here in Minnesota, it's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm going to try it. I've got to order some real maple syrup, and then I will. You don't have it in your grocery store? We do. Uh, Yeah, we probably do. I mean, it says it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we have gotten it in cans before. Can't. Oh yeah, I've seen that. That's really neat. Well, they, yeah. they look like a paint can. Have you ever seen they a do. paint can? They Yeah. They have kind sometimes of, they have a little square. It's kind of square. Yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, I had to take a screwdriver and puncture the <laughs> hole in the cut in the uh, well, not the cover per se, but yeah, that little spout. plastic thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. To get it. Flow. Jason has a place that he uh, can get real maple syrup, and I've had it from there. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, it's a farm up there. I forgot the actual name of the farm, but oh my God, the lady makes maple cream. Oh, and it comes in mason jars. I mean, I was dipping cookies into it, crackers. Uh, my spoon, my fingers. <laughs> I can it's feel so myself good. growing right now. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good. Oh, oh my God. Man. And I thought it would be real simple to make, but she said no. It is not real simple to make. So I don't know what is different uh, from like a maple cream versus a maple butter, but oh my goodness, is it good. I would mm. love some of that. Yeah, you would. But I, we've got maple syrup in glass bottles. I've seen it in – he's got it up there in plastic bottles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's around um, and just delicious. Well, mm. I will be making it once I find some 
<laughs> Maple syrup. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're glad to bring this to you. I'm, I've been excited uh, for a week now. Well, for what, three, four weeks? Because <laughs> we never got around to posting this recipe. So I'm finally glad that we did. Okay. Yeah. I'm really sorry about that. I, You know, I didn't have it right in my hand with the That's other right. recipes. Mm-hmm. And I had to remember, oh, yeah, it was in my on hand. And so I got it. But I know we listed several other things we wanted to cover, and I'm thinking, boy, let's try to get to them. While, um, but I'm not remembering what they what they are. Well, then, do you happen to remember? Oh, sure, <laughs> sure, <laughs> I do. I know I could look back in some notes somewhere, but well, I would like to talk. I've got several requests uh, from several different people. On my timeline on Twitter, yes, that requested, what can I do with my leftovers? Oh, right, that was one. Uh huh. And well, uh, I can honestly say that um, I I love leftovers, and you can, well, you can cook with them, you can eat them, you can, uh, you know. You can really. Some people have a hard time figuring out what to do with half a turkey. Oh yeah. For instance, now, one of the things that did come in is what do I do with half a turkey? Wow, that's and interesting. I don't think I've ever seen half a turkey. Once I start, you know, carving it all up and it goes around, there's, you know, there's some left. Yeah. So if you're going, oh gosh, if you're going to heat it up, if you're going to just heat it up and then eat it. My recommendation is to wrap it in foil and heat it in the oven because, and I've said this time and time again, and this is the point that Debbie agrees to, is that we don't like microwaved turkey. No, and I don't like, and freezing turkey Mm-mm. doesn't seem to work very well either. No. Nope. Um, there might be ways that you can do it uh, in certain kinds of wrappings, but I would say if you're going to freeze it, better to freeze it in something like a casserole. Now, I have two really good turkey recipes Mm -hmm. that I'm looking for. One is turkey divan. Oh, yum. And and one is turkey tetrazzini. And I haven't made them in a while, but oh, are they good. Yeah, one of my favorites is turkey croquettes. Oh, and you talked about those. Uh. You sh- and I need to try it. You said with leftover mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. So let me just give you a quick rundown on how I do it. So you take your leftover turkey and you chop it into or cut it um, or tear it, depending on what your method of madness is. No bake, don't uh, make a paste out of it. Just cut it into uh, nice pieces, small. Mm-hmm. And um, then in a bowl, combine... Your turkey, crack an egg in your bowl. And this is a recipe that I just have in my head. I just take an egg and put it in the bowl with my chopped up turkey. And take, I well, first of all, I love onion. So I take a half of a big onion. Um, and Or you could use the whole thing depending on the size of your onion. Let's say it's the size of a, a golf ball. I'll use the whole onion. If it's the size of a baseball, I might use a half an onion. Mm-hmm. And put that in the mixture, uh, seasoned salt, pepper. Then I use, how many mashed potatoes do you do I use? How much? Uh, I use a couple of cups of mashed potatoes. Make it into uh, cakes. Uh, in other words, uh, mix it all up together. 
and then you want to make sure that the mixture is all mixed up and it it's it feels like chunky mashed potatoes when you get and I mix it with my hands get in there and mm -hmm. mix it all up oh good. yum oh yeah and then once once you have this uh, dough <laughs> like stuff all mixed up then you just you can do a, a few things if you really want to be careful and measure it you can you can divide your your mixture I I just don't uh, what I do is I just take about the size of maybe oh mm, about the size of an egg off, yeah. of, off of my mixture and then mm -hmm. I flatten it like a big okay. like a pancake yeah so you that's basically what it is and then when you get a whole bunch of those made I uh, make sure that I have a you can use coconut oil or vegetable oil in a pan and make sure your pan is, is not scorching hot, but just a nice heated pan. I like to kind of put my uh, croquettes. I'm really trying not to say croquets <laughs> <laughs> because I know I that's know. I know that's not the right pr pronunciation. I'm. It's not, I, and, and I, I was so surprised to hear that. I was too. But so. you know, people are funny. People are funny, and that is how it looks yeah. in the way it's written. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you, you take your croquets. <laughs> <laughs> and you go visit the queen. Yeah, <laughs> with a mallet. <laughs> now you take your croquettes and you uh, drop them, oh, refrigerate them so that the mixture is nice and malleable. And then you, uh, well, it's it's stiff too, but, but yet when you pick them up, they won't fall apart. I do the same thing with salmon patties. Oh, yeah. And then you just drop them into your oil and... You know, be sensible when you use oil. Don't, you know, we're not deep frying here. We're just frying. Yeah. Have you ever put them in the air fryer, though? Nope, not yet. I bet that would be great. Well, I'm I'm sure it will would be. Um, so then I drop them, after I've dropped them in, four minutes on a side about, flip them over and so they're nice and brown. And remember, everything's already cooked anyway, except the mm -hmm. egg. And the egg just holds your mixture together. Um, so once they're done, you... Uh, spatula them out onto a plate keep them warm if you like or depending on how many ma you make then you can just serve them up with a little cranberry sauce on the side oh it's heaven oh just you heaven. know what mm -hmm. i think i think you could even mix a little bit of stuffing in there or you could use stuffing instead of mashed potatoes if you wanted oh no, there Wouldn't you go that yep <laughs> oh yeah so, uh, you know, make them your own, really, once you start playing around with the stuff. You don't have to do what I tell you, but just <laughs> just feed them to me. <laughs> oh, uh, Yeah. Mm, just search on the internet, guys, if you can. Sure. For, you can put it in quiche. Yeah. Yep. Soup. You can put it in soup. There's this wonderful soup that I will give... Later on in the show, called Turkey Bujol, and it is so good. It's made with all kinds of great ingredients, including hominy, which is um, hominy comes in cans, and it is a large, very large kernel of corn, is the best way that I can describe it. And it has um, one can of beer, I know that. 
And it also has a couple of tomatillos. And a tomatillo is like a uh, Mexican tomato. And I will uh, actually give you that recipe um, a little bit later on in the show. So watch for it. It is so good. And it's a kind of a hearty soup. One of my favorite things that I like to do with my turkey as well, and you can do this if you make chicken or any kind of fowl, like a goose or a duck or whatever. My uh, One of my favorite things is to make sandwiches. I find this to be a tradition. I, uh, one of my favorites is like little turkey buns. So what, what do I do is, well, you can use either mayonnaise. I'm not a big mayo fan. If I do make, if I do use mayo, I, like, I really like to make it. Um, oh, yeah. And sometime I'll give a recipe for that yeah and then you want turkey and a little stuffing and some cranberries and top it off with the other part of the turkey bun they they're also called silver dollar buns i believe and you can buy them right you betcha mm-hmm. oh and those are what they use for sliders yeah. you know in the uh, restaurants uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah yep. and you got a great trick. I was just telling them about the turkey sandwich that you like and I like mm-hmm. with the stuffing. I know that we like. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we could talk a little bit about making turkey soup, just making it. Um, I love to take the carcass and, you know, I, I get to a point I'm like, okay, I've had enough of this and I just want to make soup. So sometimes there's a little meat. I throw it in water. I cover it with water into a large kind of pan. Uh, might fit in a Dutch oven. It might fit in a stock pot. But I don't drown. I don't, like, go real crazy with, the, with it. But I, I sometimes break it apart. If I can break it in half, break off any of the bones that are still attached I break it into pieces so that it doesn't necessarily need so much water to cover it because I want that flavor to be there and if I water it down too much then it could um, interfere so um, I add um, I add salt and then I add uh, celery and onion and garlic and anything oh I might add fresh vegetables at that point carrots and potatoes and things like that and I do that and then um, when it boils I turn it down so that it simmers and um, after a while maybe an hour or longer depending on what else I'm doing I take it um, I take it off the burner and I let it cool so I can remove all the bones and have the meat in chunks in there. Some people like the skin. I don't really like, I like to cook it with the skin, but I like to remove it when I remove the bones. Oh, I don't yeah. like to taste the skin in my uh-uh, soup. No, no. Some people even cook with dressing. I don't, you know, I might originally, then um, when I take the bones away, I take all that kind of stuff away. If it feels slimy and, and squishy, I get rid of it. Um, and then sometimes we'll add in the, I'll put it back in to cook some more and I'll add some frozen mixed vegetables and I'll add some pasta and voila, you know, but there are other ways of doing it. Um, lots of ways of doing it. Egg noodles for one thing you can. Egg noodles, Mm -hmm. spinach noodles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's some of the best soup you'll ever want to eat. I also toss a bay leaf or two in there. Yeah. And that can be. 
um, add for a really good flavor. Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It depends on if I feel like looking for the bay leaf or not. And uh, yeah, that's super oh, yeah. wonderful. Exactly. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and some people think you're supposed to eat bay leaves, but no. Oh no, no, you're not no. really supposed to eat them. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, a funny little story. Um, I have a dog. She's a golden retriever. Her name is Haley. And whenever I uh, talk about uh, when I'm at the table, I said, "Oh, I I just found a bay leaf," and she thinks that I'm saying Haley. Haley. So oh. Bailey or bay leaf yep. and Haley sound the same. Oh, so she comes over yeah. to get a little bite of something. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> let me give turkey divan is wonderful, and I have. I've also used chicken, um, but I like it with turkey. I like everything with turkey better. <laughs> but if you take a um, one of those half-pint containers of whipping cream and you want to mix it up with uh, cream of mushroom soup and uh, like two cans of cream of mushroom soup and um, – or you could do one cream of mushroom and one can of – um, cheddar soup, and then um, a, one or two tablespoons of sherry, and it calls for using broccoli. I've liked using asparagus better, and you want to um, just mix all that sauce up and pour it over uh, the turkey and the asparagus, and then sp- and put it in like an oblong dish, oblong baking dish. Sprinkle. Uh, cheese on top, and I like to sprinkle it with slivered almonds and um, or sliced almonds and bake it 350 half an hour and have some good uh, bread or rolls or something yummy with it or some soup, and voila, there you go. Are you there? Fainted. <laughs> oh, you fainted. <laughs> I oh haven't my. had my smoothie yet, so oh we're talking about gosh. croquettes and divan and boujol and all this and stuff. I'm not finding my tetrazzini recipe. I don't know why. I'm not seeing it here. Um, but what I'll do is I'll look for it for next week. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Now, remember, guys, you want to get your submissions in for some of the the mistakes that you've made like the one I just did <laughs> uh, and then uh, once you uh, get them in we will uh, put them on the show and remember again this is not for embarrassing situations to you this is something that we all do um I'm going to talk about even some sighted people that I know that have made some oh, drastic absolutely. mistakes. So. And, you know, as we laugh about them, even if we start to feel embarrassed about them, we help other people feel better. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there are so do. many yeah. people who say, oh, I'm glad that's happened to you, too. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, sure. So, you know, I mean, it's just very fun. I remember making something for um, somebody and I preheated the oven. And I had a habit of opening the oven door and turning the oven off. So I preheated the oven and I put this thing in and I went back a half an hour later and it wasn't cooked because when I put the item in the oven, I turned it off. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. It's a funny so, story. Yeah. 
You know, there are a lot of funny things. There really are. One of the weird mistakes that I do that it has to do with cooking, measuring water. Have you ever been wearing a robe or a really loose-fitting shirt and have your sleeve over the faucet didn't realize oh, it? Oh, yes. And, and you open the spigot up, uh, turn the faucet yep. on, and water goes straight up your arm. <laughs> oh, yes, it does. Or it gets on your... Uh, you know, something that you're wearing and, mm-hmm. oh, oh gosh, it's crazy. Yeah. So we do it all. We're going to talk about it all and we're going to do the show on the 2nd of January and we have submissions coming in, voices coming in. You'll hear we the voices. We sure do. And we sure do. You'll hear the voices and you'll get a feeling of camaraderie with the, all the mistakes that people have made and they laugh about them themselves. Oh, and I want to thank everybody for showing their like for this show and saying that they love the podcast. They love the show. Um, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. It's so great. What is cooking? We are happy to hear from you. And we have a new phone number, 206-736-9301. Email hazelnuts at acbradio.org and find us on Twitter at acbhazelnuts. Hey, did you know we are Apple approved? What does that mean? It means we're now podcasting. You can use your favorite aggregator to search for us. Just search for Cooking with the Hazelnuts and you'll find us. Use Downcast, Overcast, or Podcast. Any podcast tool of your choice and you can find us. We hope you subscribe. Now it's time for Soundbite. Bite. 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 (laughs) (laughs) We got a request to talk about spreading. Now spreading is one of those things that can be a little bit tricky. I use a device called a spurtle, and a spurtle is a device that is like a paddle and a spoon, and it's made out of either focaccia wood or bamboo from QVC, and I guess QVC actually has both kinds. And spurtle is spelled S-P-U-R-T-L-E. I want you to guys to picture in your heads a long handle, a spoon bowl at the other end that's a little bit wide to make it look kind of like a paddle. And they're really a cool device. They will aid you into scooping out jelly in jars, peanut butter. You can stir with them. You can spread with them. And when you're spreading with a spurtle, you can scoop up whatever it is you need to spread. And you can turn the spurtle over and use your index finger or whatever finger you choose to help to slide that peanut butter or jelly over. Or you can just leave it upright and just sort of take your index finger and help to push it onto the bread or whatever it is that you're spreading, like mustard or whatever. And it's wide enough so you can start spreading on a piece of bread. Now, you just take the spurtle and face it so that the spoon bottom is facing down and press down gently on the bread or toast because you don't want to mangle it. And just sort of move it from 
side to side or up and down, and it will evenly spread. You can use a knife too. It's trickier because it's not as wide. You can also use a regular spoon to spread if you don't have a spurtle. I highly recommend them, though they're a pretty cool device. If you are in a situation where it's just you or a family member, you can always use your fingers to spread. And yes, you're going to get them a little bit messy, but you can also wash your fingers. I mean, after all, you're going to wash an implement anyway. And you want to use the same motions. Just take a spoon and put whatever it is on the bread by just using your index finger to move the peanut butter or jelly or, oh my gosh, frosting or whatever it is that you want onto whatever it is that you're going to spread it on, like cake or cupcakes or whatever, or a piece of toast. And then just use your fingers to spread it on the item that you're going to spread. And again, use a real, a fairly easy touch. I'll let you in on a little secret. When I'm spreading peanut butter, I use my fingers because I want to get it all out to the edge. And I use my index fingers, usually, to do it. Now, if you press down gently while spreading... No one will ever know. And now a recipe. Turkey pozole. It's so good. Uh, maybe it's pronounced pozole. I'm not exactly sure because I've never really heard the word. I just know that it's a great recipe. Ingredients. Two tablespoons vegetable oil. And you want to put that in the pan and spread it around. Two medium onions, chopped. Four cloves of garlic, chopped. Two jalapeno peppers, seeded and chopped. A palm full of cumin. And that's about two tablespoons. Two tablespoons of chopped thyme. Coarse salt and pepper. You can use sea salt or even seasoned salt. One cup beer. Sixteen tomatillos. Remember, that's a kind of a Mexican tomato, and I'll spell that for you. T-O-M-A-T-I-L-L-O-S. One can of 15-ounce hominy, and you can find that with a canned corn because it is kind of like corn. One quart of chicken stock, and you can use turkey gravy as well along with a stock, and you want to use two cups of gravy. One and a half pounds of turkey. Make your best guess. Make sure your turkey is cooked like leftover turkey. One juice of a lime. Then you want to have your favorite corn chips to either put on top of the soup or dip into your soup. Here's how to prepare the soup. Heat your oil. Add onions, garlic, and jalapenos. Add the cumin, thyme, and salt and pepper to taste. Cook that for about one minute, then stir in the tomatillos and cook them for about five minutes. Next, stir in the hominy, chicken gravy, the turkey, and the chicken broth. Let it simmer for about 15 minutes. Add the lime juice, take it off the heat, then it's done. You can either put the corn chips on top or dip them for a real special treat. Also garnish with a little bit of cilantro if you have it. Oh, that makes it so extra special. I hope you enjoy this because it's really good. You wanna make sure that you take the papers like onion skins off the tomatillos before you put them in the soup. The tomatillos will be a little sticky, but just wash them under water after you remove the papers and you'll be good to go. And then you want to quarter them when you put them in the soup. That recipe was courtesy of Rachel Ray. So I'm back with a couple of more recipes. I wanted to give you turkey tetrazzini. 
I love this. I have made this a number of times. It's been a while, but it's very good. You can buy it frozen. I've uh, had Stouffer's Turkey Tetrazzini, but this one is really nice. You use a fourth of a cup of butter, a fourth of a cup of flour, a half a teaspoon of salt, a fourth of a teaspoon of pepper, one cup of chicken broth, one cup of whipping cream, not whipped, but whipping, two tablespoons of sherry, one seven ounce package of spaghetti, and I like cooked. I like angel hair pasta. That's what I prefer. Um, if I can find it in a multigrain, I have not yet seen a gluten-free angel hair pasta, but that's okay. Uh, you're going to uh, have cooked that spaghetti. You don't want it mushy. Um, it's usually maybe about seven minutes, depending on what kind of pasta you use. Al dente is what they often say is where it's not too hard, but it's not too soft either. And then drain it, usually pouring that into a colander. Two cups of cubed cooked chicken or turkey. I wouldn't worry about the cubed, but bite size pieces of the meat that you want to use and one three ounce can of sliced mushrooms or you can always just use fresh mushrooms which is what I tend to use. When I use fresh mushrooms I cut the little tiny bit off the base. It's always been controversial whether to wash mushrooms so I tend to just take a paper towel and rub them and if they're small enough, I put them in. If they're bigger, I slice them. But if you use a can of or a jar of mushrooms or sliced mushrooms, then drain them. It does say drained. And yes. And so an easy way to do that is to hold the lid on if it's a can. Press the lid down on them and then hold it over the sink or you if it's a jar you know you can just open it so just a little tiny space is there and and drain the liquid out one half cup of grated parmesan cheese preheat your oven to 350 and then melt in a large saucepan over low heat your butter and blend in your flour and seasonings and cook over low heat stirring until mixture is smooth turn off and remove from heat and stir in the broth and the cream and you would put the cream in last uh, because you don't want you want to heat it to boiling stirring constantly and you really have to be careful with milk or cream that it doesn't scald stir in the wine the wine is what you stir in last of all the moist ingredients and then after that you can add your spaghetti that's cooked your meat chicken or turkey your mushrooms and pour all of that into an ungreased two-quart casserole and top it with cheese and you know what it says a half a cup but you can just sprinkle it on the top sprinkle some in the middle and then push it around with your fingers to get it to the edges and you're fine bake uncovered for 30 minutes or until bubbly and it feeds six unless they have really big appetites like the big R and then well I don't know <laughs> 
Now, Jason last week asked me, he thought that that brown sugar thins recipe sounded really good. God, if I ever get around to posting all these again, I'll be really, really busy doing that. But these are kind of lacy and they're really thin. I don't like working with them quite as much because the dough is so thin to work with and to get it where you want it on the cookie sheet. And then, you know, I don't know, it's just thin. But when they come out, oh, these are lacy good cookies. One cup plus two tablespoons of flour, one eighth teaspoon of salt, one cup plus two tablespoons of light brown sugar, firmly packed, one half cup of butter, two eggs, one teaspoon of vanilla, optional, but, and I think the optional here is really not the vanilla, but the one half cup of chopped nuts. I don't think I ever put nuts into these because I think the way that the wafers are, I don't know. I just think I liked them better without nuts, but they are really sweet. I mean, delicious, dainty, delicate. I made them before Valentine's Day. Add the ingredients mixing after each addition and drop by scant spoonfuls two inches apart onto a cookie sheet. They don't say greased or ungreased. I don't know. It's, you know, a lot of people say put cookies onto ungreased. I always grease. Place on a lightly greased, oh, well, here we go. Place on a lightly greased baking sheet after they tell you to put them two inches apart. Don't you love it? Bake in a preheated oven 425 for five to eight minutes or until edges are brown or crisp. Yum. They are really, really good. Randy has a zucchini bread recipe, but this is one I've made and oh gosh, I, you know, even my buddy Rick Alfaro, who doesn't really like sweet things that much, loved this recipe. Three tablespoons of sweet butter, and when they say sweet butter, they mean unsalted sweet butter. Three eggs, one and a fourth cups of oil, one and a half cups of white sugar, sugar, blah, one teaspoon of vanilla, two cups of grated unpeeled zucchini, two cups of unbleached flour, two teaspoons of baking soda, one teaspoon of baking powder, one teaspoon of salt, and one teaspoon of ground cinnamon, one teaspoon of ground cloves, one cup of chopped walnuts. Preheat your oven to 350. Butter, loaf pan, and it made so much, I ended up buttering a couple of loaf pans. Beat eggs, oil, sugar, and vanilla until light and thick. Fold in zucchini. Sift dry ingredients together. Stir into the mix and mix until well blended. Fold in walnuts. Pour into your pans or pan and bake one hour and 15 minutes. Now, Randy has a recipe for chocolate chip zucchini bread. I have not ever had this, but it sounds wonderful. And I want the recipe. Tell him you want the recipe. Say, Randy, give us your recipe for your chocolate zucchini bread. <laughs> <laughs> if I have to say what kind of cake I most love, it really is pretty plain. I like vanilla. I mean, you know, I tend to say the flavor of God, <laughs> the flavor of God, the essence of God is vanilla. 
because vanilla is in everything. I mean, vanilla is always being called for in most everything, at least if it's baked or if it's sweet. So I always feel like the, the flavor of God is vanilla. But when I had this cake, it to me reminded me of what I think of as really old-fashioned cake, really the way that grandmas used to make them a long time ago. Somebody, somebody else heard it and said, sounds like heart attack on a plate, but <laughs> anyway, it's really, really good. This is a chocolate cake. Two cups of sugar, two cups of plain flour, and you're going to mix in saucepan one cup of water, one cup of oil, one stick of butter, four tablespoons of cocoa. Bring to a boil and cook one minute, constantly stirring. Pour over your sugar and flour and stir well. Add one half cup of buttermilk, two eggs, one teaspoon of soda, and a dash of salt. Put into greased pan, and I use an oblong sheet pan, and bake 40 minutes at 350. Now the icing is incredible. Bring to a boil four tablespoons of cocoa, one teaspoon of vanilla, two sticks of butter, and one box of powdered sugar. Beat this mixture when it comes to a boil and you don't want it to overflow. You don't want it to fly up on you or anything else. But when you hear it come to a boil, you'll hear it and you'll feel it um, as it's thickening. But you want to bring it to a boil and then take it off the stove and beat it with a mixer so that it's not lumpy and then pour it over your cake. And it's really like fudge on a cake, but it reminds me of old-fashioned frosting. It is just so good. Oh my God. But that's not even what I knew I wanted. Oh, this coffee cake I told, uh, told you about that I said is my favorite. Somebody named it their Jewish Russian coffee cake. It's a sour cream coffee cake. But the best part really is the middle and the topping. So if you want it to be a bigger cake, you want to double this. So I'll give it to you doubled. Four eggs, two sticks of butter, two and two-thirds cup of granulated sugar, four cups of flour sifted, two teaspoons of vanilla, two teaspoons of baking soda, a teaspoon of salt, two teaspoons of baking powder, a pint of sour cream, or I've used plain yogurt two cups of chopped nuts, a cup of light brown sugar, or actually, wait a minute now, let's see. Okay, never mind. Stop at a pint of sour cream. Now the rest of this is the topping and the filling, and I don't double this. So it would be one cup of chopped nuts, one cup of light brown sugar, two teaspoons of cinnamon, and two teaspoons of flour and one ounce of baking chocolate shaved or two tablespoons of cocoa. When you get that cinnamon and cocoa together, 
So you're going to beat your eggs and butter and sugar until creamy. Sift your dry ingredients, your flour and all those other things, uh, slowly beating into the butter mixture with the sugar and vanilla, baking soda and baking powder, and uh, fold in your sour cream or yogurt. So you're going to put half of that batter into a pan that's greased. And I have used either like an angel food tube pan or I've just used a oblong pan or um, a bigger round pan. It doesn't matter, but you're going to put half the batter in it and you're going to sprinkle half of this crumb mixture over the bottom batter. And then you're going to put more batter on top and repeat with the rest of this crumb mixture and bake at 450, 45 to 50 minutes. I think I would do 350, 45 to 50 minutes. That's really strange. That is with the cinnamon and chocolate combined is just, mm, mm, mm. But I'm going to give you one more and then I'm going to get out of here. This is another one. You could use any of these for holidays. This is Kentucky lemon butter cake. Oh my goodness. This is like tart lemon and yet delicious cake. Okay. Three cups of flour, a teaspoon of baking powder, three-fourths teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of baking soda, a cup of butter, and two cups of sugar, four eggs unbeaten, and a cup of butter milk. Boy, I mean, the way this page is torn and uh, two teaspoons of vanilla and a half a teaspoon of lemon peel. So you're going to sift together dry ingredients, cream your butter, gradually add sugar, blend in eggs one at a time, combine butter, milk and vanilla, then alternately uh, with uh, and vanilla. Then alternate with dry ingredients. Start and end with dry. What? Let me see. What is this? Sift together your dry ingredients. Cream your butter gradually. Your sugar and blend in. Yeah. Eggs one at a time. Combine buttermilk and vanilla. I guess then you're going into another bowl. Then alternate with your dry ingredients. Start and end with dry and add add to this one and a half teaspoons of lemon peel. So I'm wondering why that said one half teaspoon of lemon peel. Oh, that's terrible. Well, I would go with one and a half, you know, one and a half, because I don't think you can hurt. I don't think that'll hurt. Oh, jeez, it's probably good old, Typos. Okay, turn it into a pan and grease on the bottom. And I've used a tube pan for this or a bunt pan. Bake at 325 for 60. <laughs> 60. It's probably 60 to 65 minutes. But what I have here is written bake at bake for 60. <laughs> Sixty to twenty-five minutes. I love it. Yep, run spatula around your cake. I know.
know, you know, I'm leaving it in because it's hysterical. You guys, I know you guys love it. You love this crazy humor. Prick holes in this cake with your fork. Now, what's really, really cool about this is there's a sauce. And you're going to mix this sauce and pour it slowly over the cake. And because you pricked holes into the cake, the sauce is going to go down into it. The sauce is one cup of sugar. <laughs> one-fourth cup of lemon juice, a half a cup of butter, and <laughs> one-half to one teaspoon of lemon peel. Oh, if I got really, really funny idiosyncrasies in my writing. Ah, okay, so that last part was one half to one teaspoon of lemon peel. So <laughs> once you get your sauce, you're going to mix that together. <laughs> and then because you poked holes in the cake, you're going to pour the sauce over the cake. And then, and that you can do it when the cake is slightly warm and the butter, the warmth of the cake and it, and the butter will melt and it'll all go down into the cake. So then you can just sprinkle it with some powdered sugar. All right, I've caused enough trouble for one day. <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being with us. A couple of hazelnutty people. I hope you're having fun as you're getting ready for more holidays, however you're spending them. I hope you're having fun. Be silly like we are. Well, looks like this is the end. I'd like to give special thanks to Debbie Hazelton for being such a good co-host on the show. Thank you, audience. Hope you had a good time. We always do. This is for a fan of the show. From a barnyard Christmas, old little town of nesting hens. This person knows who he is. As we fade down, I hope you enjoy Lee Blask, ladies and gentlemen, a barnyard Christmas. See you next week, everybody. I'm getting hungry. Hope we didn't lay an egg today. <laughs> <laughs>